This morning, my message is to me. This message is for me. Ron told me the other day, he, Ron, our deputy, he said to me, he says, Greg, don't ever preach what I want to hear. Preach what I need to hear. Amen. See, today, there is a need to hear a message that we want to hear. That seems to be the, the thing to do. There's a battle for us as preachers. The message that we bring, we want people to come in, yet... My heart is for transformed lives. In Genesis chapter 25, verse 19, this morning I'm going to talk a little bit about Jacob. Read along with me, or you, don't have to, you just follow along with me, you don't have to read with me. This is the account of the family line of Abraham's sons, Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Padan Aram, and the sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, two peoples from within you, and they will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first came out, was red, and his whole body was hairy like a garment. So they named him Esau. The second was Jacob. Jacob, from the very beginning, was a schemer. He was actually, they, the Bible says, reaching for his brother's foot when he came out. Some of us today would say, well, that's not me. I don't scheme. I, I, I see people who scheme. I know schemers, but that's not me. I have a good heart. This is what I would say. But Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The word deceitful there is, is only used three times in the, uh, the Old Testament. And it means rough ground, polluted, and deceitful. A short definition of it is crooked. Today I'm talking about that inner self that wants to protect me. That always is out for my interests. That defense attorney that comes to my aid to plead my case. To give my side of the story. To be my advocate. It could be the enemy at work at me, or it can be just the flesh that's trying to protect me. See, the, I was a police officer for 25 and a half years before I'm doing what I'm doing today. And one of the things that they taught us was about being in a position of advantage. Don't leave yourself exposed. Always have the upper hand. See, whether we realize it or not, we want to operate from a position of advantage. A wife who withholds herself to punish her husband or manipulate him to get her way. The husband who operates from a place of superiority and degrades his wife to keep her in position. The boss who says, you have to keep them hum humble, otherwise they'll become entitled. In relationships, it is that place within us that refuses to operate from vulnerability. Since it's Mother's Day, let me say this. You want to send the wrong message to your kids? Hide things from your husband. When the kids do something wrong, we won't tell your father about this. 
Side with your kids over your husband. Protect them. See, I'm not talking about when you're in serious danger, where there's abuse or anything like that, but I'm talking about as we walk this out. I'm thinking of in the 19, early 90s, my wife and I lived up in Lake Isabella. And I'm going to pick on Connie. She's not here, so she won't be able to defend herself. We were refinancing the house. And I was on the phone with the bank. And the bank says, you know, I said, here's, here's my credit cards. Here's what we have. And, and here's all my stuff. And he said, well, I, I see that you have another credit card. And it's got a balance of $3,000. And I said, you know what? You guys are sadly mistaken. The, it's not mine. I don't know anything about it. I've never heard of it. I didn't sign for it. It's not mine. So I was very... Just forward the lady, and I said, this is, you know, I'm just, you guys have made a huge mistake, get it off my record or whatever. My wife came home that day from work, and I was telling her about the conversation I had on the phone, and she had this look on her face. And it was through means of talking that she related to me that she had got her own credit card. When we were first married, she was a very independent woman, and she wanted to make sure that she could take care of herself in case something was to ever happen to us. She, this was her justification, and she also needed to make sure that if the kids needed something above what dad would do, that she could take care of that. Mm. See, sometimes it's not the big obvious deceit, it's that little underhanded thing we do to manipulate things into our favor. It's that thing we talk about just to make sure that our side gets told. It's the things that we gossip about in order to influence our, our friends and people around us to our point of view. It's that so, strong suggestion of dropping the certain idea to sway or influence those around us. See, in this story, God had already given them the promise. He said, the older will serve the younger. Rebecca didn't have to take it into her own hands. She didn't have to manipulate the system. God had already said this was going to come to pass. But so many times in our lives, isn't this how we work? God says it. Well, he needs some help. I got to help him. I got to assist him. He said this was going to come to pass, so I I better bring it about. In Genesis chapter 27, it says, When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son... Here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and I don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and your bow. One of them was a hunter, Esau. The other one was a a mama's boy, Jacob. And go out in the open country and hunt me some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food that I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you a blessing before I die. Ron, that sounds like you. Now Rebecca was listening to Isaac as, she, as he spoke to Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son, Jacob, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you a blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, carefully listen to what I tell you. See, this is how we operate a lot of times, especially as pastors. I must help God. I, I've seen this over the years. I have to intervene. I have to assist. Maybe I just need to move the process along. See, if God gave the promise, he doesn't need you to help it along. What he's looking for is obedience, diligence, and steadiness. God is not all, all over the place. 
I remember this from Bible school. You know, my theology teacher, he said this when we we were talking about God one day, and he says, God has composure. He doesn't react, he acts. He gives us the example of how he wants us to function not be this roller coaster up and down. He's, he says, what I want you to do is have composure. Now this week, I was telling Scott, I started the week off. I told my wife, I said, honey, there's something going on. I said, don't get into the fray. Don't get into what's going on. Don't get yourself the next thing. And, and as I turned around, I thought, you're going to be in it, Greg. And I thought to myself, how? And the next thing I know, I'm right in it. I'm right in the fray. See, God will take the most unlikely candidate, and a covetous man with a scheming heart and transform him into a person of faith. It is always too soon to judge a person's usefulness to God. God patiently tends a person's heart until it becomes receptive to His grace and responsive to His purposes. God doesn't sanitize a person's past, but highlights His marvelous grace through the glaring flaws of those who enfolds into His story. And God allows both the passage of many years and people to become entrapped by their own scheming before he'll interrupt. See, God's design is this. You want to win? Surrender. You want to be free? Become a slave to his will. See, as a manipulator, it's hard to trust God. But I'll always be thinking of a way to maneuver, to circumvent. See, I'm, I'll, I'll justify it by saying, I'm just planning ahead. But see, here's the thing is, when we try to plan ahead, it's, it's like a chess game. And we're over here messing around with a pawn, and God's already at uh, checkmate. See, but so many times, we're busy moving our pawns around, trying to get into position, and God's like, listen, I've got it done. See, because of his manipulation, he, was, he wanted to steal the blessing from Isaac because Esau, his brother, after this happened, became very angry and wanted to kill him. So Jacob leaves and flees to his mom's brother's house, Laban. Laban is Rebekah's brother. God will bring you face to face with a manipulator if you're a manipulator. See, now he was going to be even introduced to even a greater trickster and schemer than himself. Fourteen years he labored to get his wife Rachel. I was reading the story even once again this morning, and I was thinking as he, as he was coming upon the, 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 the field, and there were men out there, with their, they were shepherding, and, and all of a sudden he asked him, he says, are you guys part of, of Laban's family? He says, no, but here comes one, and, and Rachel was coming, and she was a, a shepherdess, and she was bringing the flock, and he fell in love immediately. The Bible says that he kissed her on the first date. And he, he had to have her. His life was enveloped in that. He was willing to make a deal with the father, Laban. He says, I'll work for you seven years so that I can have her. After the seven years is up, the promise, the what he's been waiting for, the woman of his dreams. Now, I don't know how you sleep with a woman and it's her sister and you don't know it. But for some reason, that's what the Bible says. So I have to take it at face value. Somehow, she must have been covered up or something. I don't know. But how you would not know, you would think, you know, there's, there's something going on there. But Laban 
The father-in-law tricks him. Sends the older sister. It's, it's our custom that you have to marry the older sister first. You can't have the younger one first. You have to have the older one. So he makes a deal to work seven more years for Laban. This goes on. See, God will... If, 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 if we operate in this place of manipulation... God is going to bring you face to face and encounter with the very thing that you're doing. I've seen it over the years. Bosses. See, sometimes we'll hate something about a boss and we'll see all these things. And you know what? The thing is, God's trying to show us, hey, that's how you operate. Mm, Lord. It hurts. After time goes by, 21 or 20 years, Jacob finally wants to go back to his family. He's on his way. The Bible says that, that he, as he got ready to leave, he actually had to flee Laban with his family. And Laban was after him and chased him down. And God brought a dream to Laban and kept Laban from, from attacking him. But on, in the meantime, Esau, his brother... He was going to meet his brother Esau. So he sent this, once again, he wants to manipulate. He sends all these gifts ahead of himself. Hey, please, I don't want... And the Bible says that Laban's coming with 400... I mean, not Laban, Esau's coming with 400 men. And in Genesis chapter 32, verse 22, it says that night... That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. This is a battle you cannot afford to win. This place of defeat is really a place of victory. The place of losing is actually triumph. It is in defeat that he would be transformed. See, in this place of losing, I win. How long will it take me to realize? How long will God battle for me? See, if God is against you, you have a problem. See, in the very beginning, Jacob, from the very womb, was always trying to usurp, manipulate. He wanted things in his favor. Now he finds himself actually wrestling with God. It was in this dark and sleepless night in the desert that Jacob came to the point of his life where he realized he had to try to reconcile with his brother that he could no longer just manipulate the system. Some of you are wrestling today. You think it's the enemy, you're wrestling God. He wants you today to stop, submit, and surrender. It's not the enemy you're fighting, but it's God. The sins of our past are creeping up on us. Although God forgives us, our sins carry consequences. God will put us, just like He did with Jacob, He puts us in a place of isolation. Isolation is, is, is when all those things around us, all the diversions, sometimes, you know what, what we like to do is we like to be so busy that we don't have time to think about what's going on around us. I've seen that in people's lives, in counseling. They busy themselves with so many things, and when all of a sudden those things are all taken out, it's like when, the, when, when, when moms have that empty nest, and all of a sudden they have to face reality. They have to face this situation. Hey, this is the man I'm married to. I've been so busy, I didn't even realize what was going on in my life. This place of isolation will bring us face to face with God. It will be an encounter with God. What are you doing? 
See, Jacob was left alone. It's his time to think. It's his time to pray. It's his time to look at his deeper issues. God wanted to bring him in, in confrontation. That night, Jacob got up and it says, so Jacob was left alone. He's left in isolation. This place is where God sometimes puts us so that we will realize it's not the enemy, it's God placing us in this position. The second was when God wanted to bring him into a place of confrontation. He wrestled with the man until the, day, uh, the, the break of day. Who is this man? Hosea talks about it like this. He says it was the angel that prevailed and, he, he, and, then, and then Jacob, he wept and sought his favor. He met God at Bethel and there God God spoke to him, and the Lord of hosts, the Lord is his name. This was, I believe, a pre-incarnate Jesus that he was wrestling with. You'd say to yourself today, well, you know what? How could, how could a, a man actually even fight with God? I mean, God is so powerful. See, God will not overtake your will. See, that was what was going on with Jacob. He wasn't going to overpower his will. He allows us to have our will, and our will can still push back what God wants to do. And that was what was happening to Jacob. Too many think today that God only exists to affirm and console them. He can and He does. But God has a way of afflicting us to the place where we will be drawn closer to Him. See, don't misjudge God's favor for His approval for your behavior. Jacob, at the beginning, all this time, he had the favor of God on his life, yet his behavior was out of adjustment. Just because God has protected you does not mean he approves of your life. Transformation is still the goal. Thirdly, desperation. It says in, in, in Genesis chapter 32, 25, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, that's the angel of the Lord, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as a wrestling with the man. It is interesting to consider that God cannot overpower, but God does not overrule our wills. Because this was such a hard case, as I am, God disables him. Having knocked him out, having actually pinned him to the ground, it is in this place that God is finally able to do what he needs to do here. See, I want to give you a a word of caution. It is here in this de- desperation times, a lot of times, that especially charismatic people, we don't have, I know, we're not that, but what I want you to know is a lot of times we'll seek and we'll go look for a word. We want a word from the Lord. And I wanted you to know this. The enemy loves to speak to our inner ambitions, but the Holy Spirit speaks to our inner spirit. Keep that in your mind as people speak words over you or you go seeking for a word. Remember, the enemy loves to speak to the inner ambitions and he'll say those things that just exactly, this is what I was already thinking, this is where I wanted to go. He sees where I'm going. Okay, it's got to be God. No, the Holy Spirit will speak to that inner man. He'll talk to us and it may not be anything even to do with our ambitions. It's in this place of letting go in this place of complete dependence, that a transformation occurs. In Genesis chapter 32, 27, the man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. See, it's in this critical moment, he finally owns his name. Remember what he did when he was before his father? He said his name was Esau. And in fact, the Bible says that his, his dad asked him a second time, are you sure? Yes, my name is Esau. See, it's in this place that he finally owns up to who he is. It's in this place where they're wrestling that he says, 
God, that's me. I'm a manipulator. I'm a schemer. I'm always trying to, to keep everything in line so that, that it, it benefits me. I know that's not you today. This is, this, I'm talking to myself this morning. See, whether it's your family, whether it's your home life, whether it's work, whether it's your relationships, so many times, everything I do, I, I try to organize it and set it in a position where, okay, I'll be successful. And God's like, listen, I don't want you to manipulate it. Let me, if I've given you the promise, I will bring it to pass. You don't have to help me. You don't have to assist me. I can do it on my own. It's after this encounter with God that he all of a sudden he re- realizes who he is. And Jacob makes this confession by saying, my name is Jacob. Admitting who you are. I'm a protector. I want to protect myself. See, today, the difference today is, today we hear preaching that says, you can have all of this. You can own all of this. You just speak it. It's, it's in this place of losing that I'm transformed into a winner. See, I think today what the problem with our preaching is, is we put the cart before the horse. God wants us to realize that, you know what? You're nothing. You're empty. And yeah, there's this, there's this breaking down that happens, but it's, it's, it's in that place of breaking down that God says, now listen, watch what I can do, because he can emerge out of that. It's even like when you go to the military. I remember when I went to the academy they want to break you down. That's their whole purpose. They're trying to break you down so that, they can beca- so that you can become the man that they want you to be or the woman they want you to be. That breaking down process, being broken and contrite, isn't something we like to hear about. But think about this. This is what Jesus said. This is what they said about Jesus in Philippians. In your relationships with one another, Philippians 2, 5, and 7. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God to be something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. You want to be first? Jesus says be last. You want to be great? Be a servant of all. See, it's in this place that God renews us. He gives us a new name. He gives us a new nature. By losing, Jacob finally wins. God had to break him to bless him and cripple him to crown him. There is a crushing before there can ever be a crowning. See, Psalms 51, 17 says, A broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. This, this is difficult, I know. This is, this is hard, because this is that place where, man, it doesn't make sense, Lord. This world says, you know, take all you can get, and and save it and, and hide it out and, and, and protect yourself. And, 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 and that's the life that we try to, in this country, that's the life we try to live. But that, that life is really in opposition to what Christ says. He says, listen, you want to be great? Be a servant. Lose your life and you'll gain eternity. 
I don't know. It's just, again, I look across here and I know none of you guys do these things. I'm, it's me. I know. I know that the, every marriage in here is perfect. I know that you guys know how to get along. I know that all of us, uh, we, we function very well together. But I know myself. See, I, I see these things and they rise up within me. If I can just put all the pieces just where they need to be and then let everybody come and look and see, see what I've done. God's like, no, listen. Swipe that off the table. Watch what I'll do. Let me work. This morning as we close, I'm going to sing a song together and let's just stand.
set my life apart, Lord, that I could truly resemble Jesus. God, that I wouldn't try to manipulate the system. Lord, I wouldn't try to move outside of what you're doing. Lord, that you would show us the depths today, Lord, even the motives of our heart. Lord, because you judge those things. You're the only one that sees those things. As we close this morning, I want you to know this altar is always open. If you feel the need to come and pray, I'll have people come and pray with you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for this time together this morning. I pray, God, that you would seal this word within us. God, make it alive. Make it real. God, let it transform us. We thank you for it. In your name. Amen. You're dismissed.